Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. With Lee Lonsberry, from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Let me speak to the vaccine distributor. Vaccine distributor today, a Utah State Health Department. Welcome back to the program. For the duration of today's episode of Live Mike, we are going to focus on this segment we've run all week called Vaccine Q&A. Thus far, we have spoken to various county health departments throughout the state, those representatives giving you the information you need on how to get the vaccine into your arm, how to make appointments, uh, how to navigate the waters in securing an appointment for your second dose if you've received the first, and just some general curiosities that folks have. And we're going to conclude this series by speaking with the Utah Department of Health itself, specifically the immunization program director, Rich Lakin, uh, who joins me now. Uh, If you have questions for Mr. Lakin, uh, I want you to do me this favor. Send me a text message, 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, We'll get those uh, to Mr. Lakin. And uh, after he and I go back and forth, I have a few questions for him myself. Uh, We're going to open up the phone lines after the commercial break to you. So uh, here's the number. Get ready to dial with your questions. The number is 801-575-8255, or KSL Talk. And with that, I'll welcome to the program Rich Lakin. Sir, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm grateful to you for making yourself available, answering the questions that we have. Uh, Let me just first and foremost uh, ask you right now, how are we looking in the state of Utah? Um, Regarding vaccine distribution, we are like fifth in the nation um, on the doses that we receive. So doses that are delivered and doses that are administered into arms, we are doing really, really well. And our goal is to get into the top three, and I think we're going to do it. So and we're at five now, and we're going to keep moving forward. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, top three is not good enough. We're going to make our way to the top of the stack in the number one position. Uh, do you know, not to put you on the spot, but uh, I'm a competitive guy. Do, do, do you know who, uh, which other states are ahead of us right now? Um, there are, off the top of my head, there's a few, North Carolina, South Carolina, I think West Virginia, and oh, we, South Carolina, oh, we can get them. I believe are the ones that are ahead of us. We we can get them. What's the what's the exactly what's what's the measure for that? That's uh, that's uh, incoming and outgoing. So the percentage of doses we've received compared to how many have made it into the way or into the arms of Utahns. That's that's correct. So the, the amount of doses that we get delivered to us 
and that percent that is administered into the arms of Utahns, um, and uh, we're at number five. Now we're doing that. We're doing really well. Uh, but what uh, what are, what are the hurdles that we need to clear? What are the challenges that we uh, that we do need to uh, overcome? Well, the hurdles is what every state is facing. The hurdle is is that you know we're at the seventy plus group, and yet we have to schedule them out clear until the end of February. Um, to get them vaccinated because we just don't have enough vaccine. We have the capacity, and we're continuing to build that capacity um, as we speak uh, to make sure that any uh, increase in doses that we receive that will be ready in, in Utah with more mass vaccination sites, additional sites that can help us vaccinate, more pharmacies. And so we're prepared for it. We just need, we just got to have the vaccine. I see. Uh, one question that's come my way a number of times from a, a number of folks knowing that you and I'd be speaking today. Is there any way to know what percentage of the 70 plus population has received the vaccine thus far? Um, you know that you I could look that up. I don't have that right in front of me, but um, we do have a percentage. Yes, I would have to um, find that for you. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, I won't dwell on that. But uh, but I am curious uh, because I a term that we learned earlier on in this pandemic as we were all together. Well, not you. You've been an expert for some time, but people like me uh, who have become like armchair epidemiologists now, uh, this notion of herd immunity. Uh, and our belief, or at least you know what we thought as we marched towards uh, you know herd immunity, uh, you know that that's when we return to normalcy. Is that still the case? Are we still uh, striving for herd immunity? And if so, how do we know if we get there? Yeah, so um, we do follow um, age categories. We do follow how much ad- administration of the vaccine has been given, um, not only by. Uh, total administered, but also like um, age groups, um, race, ethnicity. So we, we do follow all of that data to ensure that uh, we, we know that. And so, you know, we look at the denominator um, and and see how many Utahns we have. And we really, our goal is to reach at least 60% of Utahns above the age of 18 and older. And at that point, we feel like that would be a really good indicator that Hmm. Uh, we would start to see a real decline in the uh, COVID infections across the state. That that sixty percent uh, of Utahns have re- would ha- would have to receive the vaccine or have been infected prior. What, what's the sixty percent number? Would have to be have to receive the vaccine. I see. Where are we right now? Do you know uh, overall? Um. Ag- again, I I'm, and, I'm, as we're speaking, I'm no, looking at that data now. Well, I'll tell you what, on the commercial break. We've got all the we've got all the numbers uh, public. Well, I'll do the quick math on the commercial break, and uh, we'll share that with folks coming back. Uh, one one question I'll ask you before we go to the the commercial break. It was just recently, yesterday, in fact, announced by Governor Spencer Cox that uh, come March first, that those sixty five and older would all be eligible to receive the vaccine, plus a number of others uh, with some comorbidities. Uh, and such. But uh, can you tell me what triggered the the move from 70 to 65? What have we accomplished that allows us to broaden the pool of eligible? Well, I think I think by the time we get to March 1st that we will have um, a lot of the I mean, there's still going to be a lot of 70 plus that still need to be vaccinated. But there are going to be areas within the state that, um, you know, we can move to that 65 years of age and older. And, and with our local health departments, we're really trying to move in a, in a nice coordinated effort so that people within their health district can get vaccinated within uh, of where they live. 
Um, and based on that, we also have, have kind of seen some projections that CDC is kind of giving us. Um, again, this is just an assumption, but um, there looks like there could be some uh, projected in the amount of vaccines that will that will come March 1st. We know that Johnson & Johnson is going to come on eventually pretty soon, somewhere around that first, second week of March. And then AstraZeneca is going to come on somewhere around in April. So, And then um, also the White House has been telling us that uh, increase in Pfizer and Moderna doses could be coming to states. So that's, I think, why that March 1st time frame is there, that we would be ready to open up. I see. Very good. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break here. I'll do a little bit of math in the commercial break. Uh, We're speaking with Rich Lake, an immunization director with the Utah Department of Health. Uh, Next up, I want to hear from you. I want you to put questions directly to Mr. Lake. And the number is 801-575-8255. 801-KSL-TALK is the number. If you've got a question about how vaccines are being handled here in the state of Utah, now is your chance to ask the one who knows. 575-8255-801-KSL-TALK. Your calls and questions next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Let me speak to the vaccine distributor. Vaccine distributor today, a Utah State Health Department. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Lee Lonsberry. Let me just give you a a quick update before we get back to the vaccine conversation. Uh, During the commercial break, I was back and forth with the great Ricky Meese, and she let me know that if uh, you were impacted by the Sardine Canyon closing, that southbound lane closure, uh, good news for you, it's open now. Southbound Sardine Canyon is open. Now the entire canyon uh, open, available. But at this time, chains and traction devices Still required. The police department in the area uh, lets it be known that plows have been through the area, but they encourage folks driving there to slow down and stay safe. So uh, the the update there on the wintry roads is that Sardine Canyon uh, now open in both directions. Uh, So that's very good. Hopefully... Uh, hopefully the snow calms down a bit. Well, here's the thing. I hope it calms down uh, for the roads, but let's keep the snow falling in the mountain, right? We got to get that water table up. I think I read something about that uh, here recently. It snows good. Snow's a, a good thing. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the topic at hand. Uh, I am joined by uh, Rich Lakin, the state immunizations manager with the Utah Department of Health, uh, answering some questions that we might have. Uh, before we went into the break, uh, we were talking about percentages, the percentages of the uh, of the state that thus far has been immunized. Uh, Rich, do you have some number updates for me? I did a little bit of math here, but I'm self-conscious, so you go first. Sure. So um, between the ages of 70 to 80, we have vaccinated the percent of that was about 40 percent. And then um, for those 80 and above, we have vaccinated almost 42 percent. And remember that we really only started this campaign somewhere in that age group around January 15th. So we are making great strides and I think we can get them completed by the, by the end of February. That's outstanding. No, that, that's uh, that's great. Uh, and my competitive juices got flowing again in the commercial break. Uh, folks, if you were listening before the commercial, uh, Rich let us know that in terms of vaccinate, vaccines received, uh, doses of the vaccine received, and uh, v- doses administered into the arms of Utahns, that we are right now fifth in the nation. So we've got four spots to climb to get to that top spot. Is there anything, Rich, that uh, folks like me and others listening can do to, to help this along? Um, I think that, you know, when those appointments are available, you know, get them and then make sure you don't miss your appointment because, you know, if, if you cancel or you miss your appointment, 
dose, and that is a dose that that is uh, missed. That's an opportunity that is missed. And so um, then we've got to find somebody else that can fill that. And if that goes past our seven-day that we would like by the director, by the governor, then that could show that um, we're not meeting that, and mm. then we would fall down in that ranking. Understood. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, l- let's go to the phones. Let's answer some questions asked by listeners. We're going to go straight now to Ogden. John calls us, has a question. John, you're on with the immunizations program manager. Yeah, hey, thanks for all your work trying to get these immunizations out. We need it. But I, I'm kind of nervous about people being a little complacent with the vaccines because we are rolling out so fast but that it's going to take so long before we actually get to our teens, our kids, that everybody's vaccinated, that it's possible that, you know, a new, the new variant will be so much that we have to do it all over again. And have you guys kind of thought about that? Because if these variants, if there's another replication mutation that makes it even more different from the 17 different variants that are in it right, you know, in the South American one. Are you guys worried about that, that we might immunize everybody from this common one and all of a sudden we have to do it again? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question and really appreciate that thought. Um, So we know that if we can get everybody vaccinated as quickly as possible in the state of Utah, that we can um, really reduce COVID infection, even even with the the variants that are are starting to kind of um, increase across the country or across the world, um, and that would be the goal would be to try to get that COVID infection down as quickly as possible. It doesn't mean that we can lift lift face mask, hand washing, social distancing, but we're going to see a decrease in our hospitalizations and et cetera. And uh, the early initial reports that we've seen out of CDC is that these vaccines are still working against these variants. They're not making huge shifts in where the vaccine may not be, uh, where the vaccine would work. It may become to the point where it may be less effective, but if it's still 40% effective, we can still reduce the COVID infection. And, um, and then in regards to the future, you know, that's, that's something that, that a lot of people are looking at. Um, this may not be a one-and-done vaccine. This may be something that's kind of like the flu vaccine. That's something that we're going to have to look at in the future um, to combat these uh, uh, different variants that, that come. And it may include a, a yearly COVID vaccine, vaccine kind of like a, a yearly flu vaccine. Uh, Rich, we're in just a moment going to speak with Lisa from Riverton, who has a question about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Before we get there, though, I have my own question about uh, Johnson & Johnson. And as we have learned recently, the, the percentage of efficacy compared to Pfizer and Moderna is, is a, bit, uh, a bit lower in the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine as, you know, according to the data released by Johnson & Johnson. Has there been any, has there been any like pre-selection of age groups to receive uh, the incoming Johnson & Johnson vaccines compared to those expected to arrive in Utah from Pfizer and Moderna? Does, it, does that question make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does, and we're actually on that right now, looking at um, this this very thing. So we are looking at, uh, you know, who who could be the population that maybe Johnson and Johnson goes to, and I think that the one thing that we need to remember is that um, 
in regards to Johnson and Johnson, we've looked at the shots effectiveness on severe disease and it's shown to be 85% effective globally. So what that means is that if you get the vaccine, it's you're going to have an 85% effective effectiveness to keep you from um, being hospitalized or have severe illness. So that's, I think that's probably the way we need to look at this instead of that uh, 70% or 72% effectiveness of the vaccine um, within, you know, the U.S., while in like South Africa, it's 57% effective. Again, the main thing that we want to concentrate on is we want to keep people from getting sick. We want to keep people from being hospitalized. And the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is 85% effective globally in doing that. Outstanding. Uh, Listen, our time has expired. Let me again extend my thanks to you, uh, Mr. Lakin, with the Utah Department of Health, the State Immunization Program Manager. Uh, Thank you for the work that you're doing and sharing this insight with the audience. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. All right. Time for me to step aside. Uh, I'll be back with you on Monday, come 1230, and you and I will start a new, a new work week ahead. Uh, Time now, though, for the great Jeff Kaplan and Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.